You know, I, I love sunrises and sunsets, don't you? It was great being on holiday and at the beach, and we had a lovely view of, of the sunrise and the sunset, and gosh, it was nice just to sit down and look at the sun coming up for a moment and have that moment to pause. But you know, the majesty, the beauty, the wonder, the colors, the, the glorious beginning to the day, and then the stunning ending, it just the finality of the ending of the day, but the expectation of the beginning. You know, God has given us a sunrise and a sunset every day that we would understand that every day has a new beginning and every day has an ending. That the very cycle, the very cycle of our daily lives is meant to represent the cycle of the way that we live out our lives. You know, some of us, are not living in the ending and the beginning of each day as God has planned for us to live. You know, a new day will dawn. A new beginning will happen. A fresh start will come. But so often it's just not how we live. So often we're not living in the ending and in the beginning. So often we don't actually wake up expecting something new. So often we are just simply not giving ourselves over to the possibility of a fresh start. We have not let ourselves see that each day has an ending and a beginning. You see, we carry things over. We carry things over from one day to the next. We carry over the hurt. We carry over the pain. We nurse the the things that have taken place and then we wake up and we're still thinking about them. We're dwelling on the bad things. We're thinking about what's gone wrong, what we've done wrong. We're living in yesterday rather than moving into the new beginning of today. But you see, the truth is that some of us are are refusing to just let the sun set. And if the sun can't set, the sun can't rise. You know, the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You see, there has been an ending and a beginning. And you know, like theologically, in our minds, we kind of understand this. But so often, experientially, we don't live like that. We don't live like we actually are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We've had a new beginning. And yet, instead of walking in our new beginning as the sun sets, and the sun rises, we're carrying over the hurts and the pains of yesterday. You know, God actually spoke to me about this message last Sunday. I was sitting in here, John was preaching a amazing message, incredible. And he spoke to me last Sunday that there are three things that stop each and every one of us from walking into our new beginning. There are three things that stop us from our freeing ending and our faith-filled beginning. And those are snakes, chains, and grave clothes. There are three things that must end daily. Snakes, chains, and grave clothes. The first snake, snakes are like snakes of hurt, hurt and bitterness. See, the snake comes and it bites us. Somebody hurts us. Something happens. Somebody abuses us. Somebody offends us. The snake bites us and the bitterness gets in. The poison spreads. We become infected by what has happened. And before we know it, the slow creep of the snake has wound its way around us and got us in its grip. 
And as the poison goes in, the breath, the life, the hope, the future, the vision is being squeezed out of us as that snake wraps its way around us in a death grip where the infection spreads. The second thing, chains of shame. Chains of shame. Chains are heavy. They're weighty. They weigh us down. They put a heavy load on us. They stop us from being able to move freely. When we carry the chains of our past, our regrets even from yesterday, our regrets from last year, our regrets from past failures, it weighs us down. And those chains are stopping us from looking up, but instead we immediately are pulled down as the chains weigh us and make it hard to look forward. And the third thing was grave clothes. Old grave clothes, our old sin life. Our old life of sin that we used to live, yesterday's sin, our past. You see, the Bible says that the old us has to be stripped off, that we're not to keep wearing the grave clothes. But for many of us, instead of letting go of the past, stripping off our old sins and our old ways of thinking, we're still carrying the vestiges of our old life with us. And those things are keeping us bound. And those things are holding us back. So I want to talk about those today. And the first one I want to talk about is snakes of hurt. You see, we must come to the cross for our ending, the ending of our hurt. And snakes, the snake of hurt has to end at the cross. The snake of hurt has to end at the cross. You know, snakes are only good for one thing. They're only good to be under your feet. And for everybody in the room, I'm sure you can't see, but I have my snakeskin shoes on today (laughs) to remind myself they're not real, okay, that would, <laughs> but my fake snake skin shoes, I had them on because snakes are only good for one thing, to be under our feet. We are meant to try, tread on the head of the snake. It is not meant to be infecting us. We are meant to be having victory over it. And you know, the snake comes to our lives and we get bitten. Somebody's hurt us. Somebody's done something. And you know what? They've got our back up. Somebody's done something that they shouldn't have done. The Bible says offenses will come, hurt will come, bite, the bite will come, woe to the one through whom it comes. You know, don't go around being the biter, okay? Offenses will come. Bitterness is going to get inside us, but our pain has to come to an end. The snake of hurt has to come to an end. Because when the snake sinks its teeth in us, it's like with Eve, it was deceptive. You know, it just got alongside her, and she didn't really know that it was a bad thing. She almost didn't really see the snake for what it was. She thought the snake was a good thing, almost. And before she knew it, she was in the deception of the snake, because the snake is deceptive. It creeps, it slides, it slithers, and it just begins to do its slow work in our lives. It slowly takes hold of us, and the poison begins to grip our heart. You know, before we know it, we're dwelling on what has happened what people have done. We're dwelling on ways that we could get back at them. We're thinking about what we could say that would make them upset. In our spare time, we're reveling in watching revenge movies. I mean, like John Wick all the way. We are just there. He killed my dog, I'm gonna get everybody. Like, the snake got John Wick, I'm just saying. Like it was, dogs are amazing, but it was a dog. It was a dog. 
And, you know, before we know it, we're just like reveling in those revenge movies. And it's like the spirit of murder is coming into our hearts. And we're like, all we're thinking about is this person and this unforgiveness and this bitterness. It just poisons our life and it's squeezing us in its grip. But we have to bring it back to the cross. I want to talk about this from Mark chapter 6. We see the snake bit somebody. Mark chapter 6 reading in verse 17. Somebody got bit. Somebody got bit. Herod sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless, for Herod respected John. Knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. Herodias's chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and the leading citizens of Galilee. Then his daughter, also named Herodias, came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. Ask me for anything that you like, the king said to the girl. She only did a dance. I mean, seriously, if I could dance like that, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be awesome to do a dance and then someone's like so happy with it? Have whatever you want. Okay, this girl, the doors are opening just because she can dance. I will give it to you, whatever you want. And he even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask, even up to half my kingdom. So she went out and she asked her mother, what should I ask for? And her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. The king deeply regretted what he had said, but because of the vows, he couldn't refuse her. So he sent an executioner, cut off John's head. The soldier beheaded John in the prison and brought his head on a tray and gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. See, grudges will steal the life and the future of those who hold on to them. Here we have Herodias, and she's bearing a grudge. She's got a grudge that is going so deep against John the Baptist that she is blinded by its poison. The bitterness has taken over her. She has been offended. She has been hurt. She is bitter. She can't see her own part in the problem either, by the way. And then her daughter does this dance before Herod, and she's like, does this amazing dance. Herod's like, wow, what do you want? Up to half my kingdom. What an opportunity. What an incredible moment for this young girl. In a time when women are not financially independent, she could have had independence, she could have had wealth, she could have had something incredible, she could have had a future, she could have had a destiny. She was full of possibilities. And in that moment of great possibility, she says to her mother, what should I ask for? But the mum is nursing a grudge. The snake has her. The snake has her. And so she says, ask for the head of John the Baptist. And in the girl, instead of receiving her destiny, she gets the fruit of the bitter grudge. 
She gets the fruit of her mother's hate and poison, and her future was stolen. Her possibilities were robbed. She gets a head rather than half a kingdom. She gets a moment of bitterness rather than a life of destiny. You know, we have to be aware of the unforgiveness that we hold on to because it's so subtle, it's crept in. We don't even know sometimes that it's there. And that's why we need a daily ending. Why we need a daily ending, because we're not aware that it's crept in, but maybe in our lives today, we're actually carrying around somebody's head on a platter. Maybe today, there's actually somebody that we're directing those darts of hate at. Maybe they don't even know, but you know, because you can't let it go. It's got you in its grip. You know, that unforgiveness is stealing our future, it's stealing our destiny, and that snake has to come to the cross. Galatians 5.15 says this, if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. See, when we get bitten, when the snake bites us, <laughs> it's got us, then we get bitter, and we don't even realize it, but we were wandering around bitter, and we're gonna bite at other people. And before we know it, we're biting and devouring the people around us because hurt people hurt people. We have to get rid of it. We have to end it. We have to let it go. We have to bring it to the cross. We have to put it to death. If we don't bring our hurt to the cross, it will hurt others. And we see it time and time again, don't we? You know, when we're upset and we lash out, it's a snake. When we're upset and we lash out, it's a snake. It's the whiplash of the snake because it's got us and we're angry, so angry that we can't breathe. So angry that everything somebody does upsets us. The littlest thing is going to trigger the whiplash of the snake. You know, we need forgiveness and restoration in our relationships. It's important. It's crucial. It's vital. And that's why Jesus said in the daily prayer that we need to come and forgive. It's why the Bible says, do not let the sun Go down on your anger. Bitterness and hurt must have an ending. Offenses and hurts will stack up, and we will be keeping a record of wrongs before we know it. You know, when John and I were first married, we took that scripture, don't let the sun go down on your anger, very literally, in fact. And so, I don't know what it was about hopping in bed at night with our first year of marriage, but we'd hop in bed, and then that would be when I would bring up all the problems. <laughs> I don't know, I'm a night person, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't awake for John to have a go at me in the morning. And um, at night, he'd be trying to get off to sleep and it would start. You didn't do this, why are you doing that? You know, and I'd just have my little bites at him. And you know, the truth was that we actually got that verse and we sort of thought, oh, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And John being quite literal, um, he still is. Um, we had to turn on the light, because, you know, the sun, the light's on. We had to turn on the light. We couldn't lie down and argue. We had to sit up, look each other in the face, and we had to argue it out. We would stay up to at least 2 a.m., 3 a.m., so the sun wouldn't go down on our anger. We would be working that thing out. But you know what? I do think it might have contributed to the problem. <laughs> the fact that we were getting so tired that we were like so tired, like it kept on going like a perpetual cycle. But you know, there was a desire in our marriage that we would reconcile, that we wouldn't let that record of wrong stack up, that we wouldn't let the offenses stack up because they do. 
Offenses will come. As soon as you're in relationship with somebody, they will hurt you and you will hurt them. This is why the Bible gives us so much advice on forgiveness, on love, on keeping no record of wrongs because we're going to wrong people and people are gonna wrong us. Sometimes those wrongs are deep. Sometimes those wrongs are severe. Sometimes those wrongs have bitten us to the core of who we are. But no matter what level, no matter how deep the hurt goes, we have to still bring it to the cross. See, Jesus wants forgiveness to be part of every day, that we would end and begin every day with forgiveness. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 12 says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. In verse 14, Jesus further says this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, Jesus is trying to show us that every day we pray, forgive them, forgive them, as I forgive them, I'm gonna forgive them. That choice happens in our lives every day that no matter the hurt, no matter the bite, no matter the sting, no matter the poison and the infection, it has to come out, to be drawn out at the cross through the antidote of forgiveness. The antidote of forgiveness is what brings the poison out of our system. You know, daily we have to put an end to our hurt. Daily we have to bring it to the cross. Daily we have to deal with it. We have to end it. The cross is where the head of the snake is cut off. It's where the snake's head is cut off. We don't want to go around cutting off the wrong head because we didn't end it at the cross. Let's not be biting and devouring one another, but let's end it at the cross. You know, forgiveness is so vital to our future and our health that even medicine, modern medicine, talks a lot about the significance of forgiveness for our health. Uh, John Hopkins Hospital wrote this, and I just thought this was so fitting for us to understand how the snake bite poisons our whole system. It says, whether it's a simple spat with your spouse or long-held resentment toward a family member or friend, Unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize. It may be affecting your physical health. There is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed, says Karen Schwartz, MD. Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. And then the article tells the reader to make forgiveness a daily part of their lives for the sake of their own health. See, we need to embrace forgiveness. Our hurt, the snake of our hurt has to end at the cross. Would you bring that forgiveness to the cross today? Would you bring that bitterness? Maybe even now the mind of somebody, the the picture of somebody flashes into your mind. Somebody's got under your skin. They've got under your skin. Today we're gonna come to communion and we're gonna cut off the snake's head at the cross in Jesus' name. Our hurt must end at the cross. The second thing that has to end is our chains of shame have to end at the cross. Chains of shame could be holding us right now. Chains that weigh us down, chains of regret. Chains that cause us to wish that we could change our past. Shame doesn't let us walk forward. Chains of shame rob our confidence and enslave us. Chains always speak of slavery. 
Chains always sleep of slavery, speak of slavery. And Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. I came to give you a new day. I came that you would walk free from the shackles that bind you. I came so you would have upward gaze, not looking down and shuffling along. Chains cause us to not be able to move forward. It's impossible to walk into a new beginning when chains have got us, when chains are binding us. You know, um, we read the story of Peter in the Bible. And Peter, the apostle, the one who loved, he loves Jesus, and he betrays Jesus. I don't know if you remember the story, but Jesus has been arrested. He's in the high priest's courtyard, and there is a fire, a charcoal fire in the courtyard. And Peter is there trying to watch what's going to happen to Jesus. And a servant girl says to him, you're one of those disciples, aren't you? And he says, no, no, I don't know him. And he betrays Jesus. He denies Jesus three times. And as a result, the chains of shame wrap around him. The Bible says that he runs away. He runs away. He is so filled with shame that he'd let his Lord down. He's so filled with shame that he'd been with Jesus for three years. He'd been like so fervent for Jesus, and yet he sinned. He's let him down. He's done the thing he didn't want to do. And in our Christian lives, we can be fervently following Jesus, and then we do something dumb. We fall into sin. We make a mistake, and before we know it, the chain of shame has got us gripped, and we don't feel like we can ever face Jesus again. We want to run away. That happens to Peter, and he resents what happens. So often we resent what we've done, but we just stay bound in it. We don't let it come to the cross. You know, shame will make us pull back and retreat. But Jesus wants to confront that shame in our lives. And we see this because Jesus turns up at the beach after he's resurrected. He's appeared to Peter in private, but he comes for a public restoration. Jesus turns up at the beach and he lights a charcoal fire because it was at a charcoal fire that Peter began it. It's at the charcoal fire that Jesus is going to end it. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I do. Jesus says it again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I do. (laughs) He's frustrated with the process. He's not enjoying this process. But Jesus asks him three times, same as his denial was three times, same as Jesus was in the grave for three days. Peter has to say three times, you know, Lord, that I love you. And he has to break the chain of shame that has come around him. See, because the chain had made Peter go back to what he knew. Instead of walking forward into the destiny of following Jesus, he'd gone back fishing. Because shame doesn't allow us to walk forward. Shame makes us draw back. Shame makes us hide. Shame makes us retreat. Shame binds us to what we once were. And Peter has gone from being a fisher of men to a fisherman. Jesus comes to break those chains of shame, to give Peter a new beginning, to end his doubts to end his fear, to end his self-loathing. That's what happens when they make a mistake. We have self-loathing. We hate ourselves for what we've done. Peter hates himself for betraying Jesus. If he could take it back, he would, but he can't. We can't take it back. We wish we could. And instead, we just rehash it, holding ourselves bound, not letting go of the ending that has got us bound. But even though Peter has seen the cross, even though he knows the cross, he still needs an ending. He's seen it. He knows it. And as Christians, as believers, we've seen the cross and we know it, but we still need the ending. We still need our shame to end. We still need our sin to end. And the Bible says you do it each day. 
We need to end it so we can look forward. All of us have sinned. All of us have regrets. All of us have chains. But Psalm 34 says this, and this needs to be our scripture. Those who look to the Lord are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Come on, I want to say that again. Those who look to the Lord are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Oh, do you believe that today? I want you to say it with me. They're going to put it on the screen, I hope. But Psalm 34, would you say it with, with me? Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. That is what God has for us. He has an ending to our shame. He has a new beginning of a new day that we walk forward free, set free from what would hold us back. You know, it will pull us down this shame, but it needs to come to an end. The faces of those who look to the Lord, who look to the Lord. See, shame will make us look at ourselves, what we have done dwelling in this. <laughs> I'm terrible. As John said, that self-flagellation, I've made a mistake. But the faces of those who look to the Lord, look to the Lord. See, when we're feeling shame, we've got to look to Jesus. Maybe today we still feel the shame of our mistakes. We've got to look to Jesus. We've got to keep looking to Jesus until we feel that shame no more, until our face is radiant. The key is that we would look up, that we would look to Jesus and keep on looking until the shame is gone. Don't stop looking at Jesus. If you feel shame, if it weighs you down, then keep on looking at Jesus. You know, uh, last week, John mentioned in his message that how when we were in Auckland, it was a little bit different this time when we went up for Christmas. And he said that memories of his past had been coming back to mind. And now, I'm sitting there just like you, and I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. But what was crazy was that the same thing was happening to me. Wow. And I, you know, we're in Auckland, and I think, as John said, it's because we're not just visiting or, or being a guest minister. We're actually breaking something through. A rise is breaking through in the city of Auckland. Something phenomenal is going to take place in Auckland. It's already happening. And so the spiritual attack is greater. And what the devil wants to do to stop you moving into your future is to take you back to your past, to take you back to your shame. And so same as him, these unbidden thoughts, things that I hadn't thought about for 20 years come to mind. But you know what you do? You just got to look to Jesus. You got to stand on your assurance. You got to look to the cross. You got to say, I've been forgiven. That thing is in the past. I am not that person. I have been redeemed. My day is a new day. That thing isn't going to hold me. I'm not who I once was. Jesus has set me free. My, the old is gone and the new has come. And in Jesus' name, we have to live in the future of what God has for us. When the devil comes to rob our freedom, he comes to rob our spiritual authority by shame. The chain of shame robs our spiritual authority because we hold back declaring what is meant to be. You see, Peter has to declare three times. Jesus makes him declare three times that he loves him. Why? Because the war is in our mind, but we fight it with our mouth. 
We're given the sword of the word of God. We must declare our freedom. We must declare, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to what once bound me. But Jesus came to break the yoke. Jesus came to end it once and for all. In my shame, it went to the cross. Jesus took the burden. He took the weight on his shoulders. He bore it so I wouldn't have to, so I can look to him. And I can declare that I'm a blood-bought child of God and that shame ain't got no hold on me. That shame isn't going to keep me bound. I'm going to walk forward into what God has for me in Jesus' mighty name. Those chains are going to fall off at the cross. Those chains are going to fall off our lives at the cross. And the third thing is our old life. The grave clothes of sin. The Bible refers to sin in our lives as grave clothes the vestiges of our old life that still wrap around us. See, Jesus comes to Lazarus, and he, he gets to the tomb, and he raises, it's like a scarf, but I don't know. I'm trying here. It's grave clothes, okay? It's grave clothes. Shalina spent hours fraying it. But uh, <laughs> I didn't want to put dirt on it because it might get on my clothes, so just imagine it's filthy, okay? So Lazarus has been dead for three days. He's in the tomb, sorry, and Jesus comes to him. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of the grave. But the very next thing that Jesus says to him is take off those grave clothes. He says, unwrap him and let him go. Seriously, why is Jesus weighing into his clothing? I mean, why does Jesus even care? The reality is that sin can be our identity. That sin wraps its way around us and we think of ourselves as this is our identity. But that sin, those grave clothes, what you once did, that's not who you are. Sin is an action, not an identity. The grave clothes can wrap around us and make us feel restricted like a mummy. We're bound up to always be what we once were. You see, when we repent and we leave our life of sin, we accept a new identity. And Jesus wants us to unwrap that old life. He wants us to throw off that old life. Throw off that sin that would hinder you. Throw off that old way of thinking and begin to embrace the new life that Christ has because it's into new life that Christ raises us. When we receive Jesus, we put to death our old self. Before the blind man got his sight back, He had to throw away his beggar's cloak. He had to throw it off. He had to cast it off. You see, for us, before vision comes to our life, we have to throw away the grave clothes of our sin at the foot of the cross. You know, there's a a lame man in the Bible who's been lame for 38 years, 38 years. And Jesus comes and he says, stand up and walk. And this lame man, after 38 years, he jumps to his feet and he's walking. He's got a new beginning. His lameness has ended. He's miraculously healed. What a beginning. But your problem is Jesus comes back and he sees him again later. And he needs another new beginning. Jesus sees him again and says, afterward, Jesus found him. After his healing, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, now that you are well, stop sinning. Or something even worse may happen to you. I mean, I don't know how it could be worse than being lame for 38 years. But Jesus comes to the lame man. He's had a new beginning. He got healed. (laughs) Like surely the guy's grateful, right? 
But even after experiencing the most incredible miracle, He needs another new beginning. And in our lives, sometimes we need more than one beginning. We need more than one beginning. And Jesus will come to us and He'll heal us and He'll set us free. But then He'll come to us and say, hey, that old sin life, the vestiges of your old life, that's not who you are anymore. Come on. Don't do that anymore. Leave it behind. Let it go. It's time to throw it off. Need to stand up. Need to be reclothed. Get rid of those old clothes. It's not who you are. It's time to get clothed with the goodness of God. A.W. Tozer said, the devil makes it his business to keep Christians in bondage, bound and gagged, actually imprisoned by their own grave clothes. Ephesians 4.22 says, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, righteous and holy. It's already laid out for us. But we've got to let it end. Got to let it end. Got to throw it off. Got to let it end at the cross so we can begin. And this is our beginning, Ephesians 13. Clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus. This is our beginning. Clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus. Your faces are those who look to the Lord are radiant. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus. It's possible. We're not that person anymore. That was the old us, but now we're the new us because anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. It's a new beginning. The old is gone. The new has come. Come on, somebody. It's time for those snakes and those chains and those grave clothes to come to the foot of the cross. It's time to end it today. It's time to end it today so that we can begin it. So we can begin this new life that God has for us in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3 says this, put to death the sinful, earthly things that lurk within you. You have stripped off. You have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. You will become like Him. That's the goal of our faith. Not that we would be who we once were, but that we would become like Christ, shining like Christ, because the righteous shine brightly like the stars in the heavens, and that is our future, that is our new day that we would shine with the radiance of Christ, that we would be ambassadors of God, that the fragrance of God would be spread everywhere through us, that something would take place in us that so causes people to see in the darkness that the light has come. It's time for a new beginning. It's time for a new beginning. The cross is where we end and where we begin. Jesus died in our place for our sin. Never a true word has been spoken. That every sin we would ever do, that every hurt that would ever happen, that every shame that would ever come, we could come to the cross, ask for forgiveness, that we could repent. I'm sorry, God, for what I've done. I'm sorry for my part. I've been biting. I've been causing offense. I've been hurting. I've been harsh. God, I've been hurt. I'm carrying the pain. I'm carrying the lash, but you were lashed for me so I could be healed your stripes and you bore that pain on the cross so my pain could come to you instead and you'll pull out this infection on the inside of me. 
God, you took my shame. You took my shame. All my mistakes, all my regrets, all my doubts, all my failings. I don't have to be that person because you were that person for me. You took my place. You were my sinless sacrifice. You took my place. Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished. I want to tell us all today, Jesus ended it on the cross. He said, it is finished. He ended our old life. He ended the snakes. He ended the chains. He ended the grave clothes. Our sin, our hurt, our shame. It is finished are the final words that He said on the cross. And with those words, not only did He end it, but He began it. He began our new life in Christ. There's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. Because the life I live, I died with Christ and I've been raised again. This eternal life starts, it begins the moment we come to the cross. This eternal life waits for all of us. Would you let yourself out? Would you let yourself out from your ending? Would you finish and end your ending today? And would you allow Christ to give you your new beginning? You see, we're gonna come to the cross and Jesus wants us to know it's every day. We're gonna do it today and I believe it's gonna be spiritually significant. There is spiritual freedom that's gonna take place in our hearts and our lives today. And we need to do this daily. Pick up your cross daily. Pray the Father's Prayer daily. I'm gonna daily forgive anyone who hurts me. This is a daily action, but it is also a moment in time where we understand and receive the revelation. We're not who we were. We don't carry what we've done but we receive the goodness of what Jesus has done. Our hurt will end, our shame will end, our sin will end.